Hey, how you doing? It's Clayton here from HowToDrawComics.net and welcome to another episode of the HTDC Podcast. Today, we've got a very special guest, James Murphy, otherwise known as Modern Day James. And today, he's going to join us on the show and talk a little bit about his experience in the art field, how he developed his skill set, and ultimately became one of the best instructors that I've personally seen. So welcome to the show, James. It's great to have you here. Oh, thank you so much. So... Why don't you start off by telling the listeners out there who may not have heard about you uh, what your background is in art, where it all started for you, and uh, what inspired you to get into it in the first place? Sure. So, um, you know, I've had a pretty interesting path towards pursuing art. Uh, I started when I was really young. um, You know, when, when I was very young, I started just drawing based on comics, a lot of Goku, a lot of Dragon Ball Z type stuff. And, uh, you know, I, I think for the first couple of years, it was a lot of just imitating what I saw and just maybe being inspired by video games. Then I dropped it for a pretty long time uh, until I got to about high school when I started playing music in a band. And, you know, being a bunch of high schoolers, we had no money. We didn't have the, <laughs> the capacity to hire artists to, to make merchandise for us. So I decided maybe I'll just do it for myself. And I kind of just delved in copying a lot of artists that I was really inspired by. Uh, I'm actually not sure if this guy's prominent in the art industry, but there's this artist and musician known as John Deere Baisley, and he has such amazing line art, and it was such an inspiration to me from a young age that uh, I would just spend, I would just copy exactly what he was doing, or maybe I would do um, some art that was similar in style, but just, or it would be another subject, but it'd be in the exact same style as his. And I think that developed a lot of the, the draftsmanship skill early on for me. It was just copying and getting that mileage. So were you mostly self-taught as an artist? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Wow, that's amazing considering how technical and to the point your tutorials are. Like you just you break it down so well, like to the nth degree. And it's amazing because uh, people who are self-taught typically – are very, very good at what they do, but they're not quite sure why. Well, thank you very much. I think yeah. part of that, uh, as we were talking about before the uh, we started recording, is that it came from the instruction that I was doing during college. Of you know, I was teaching science and bio and chemistry, which are really difficult things to understand, but you're kind of forced to break them down into these sort of building blocks in order for your students to understand. And... I think a lot of it for me, it might just be the way that I think, but I, I need to break things down into lists or almost into um, these step-by-step directionals so that I have this sort of path for working. And uh, yeah, I don't know. I it's, it's so funny because uh, a lot of my students will compliment me on my ability to teach. And for me, sometimes I just, it doesn't seem, uh, I, I don't see it that way. I just see it as what I, the process of me thinking out each step um, mm. but I, I also think maybe that is part of the, the help of, or, or part of why people might gravitate towards it though, is that I, I just try to verbalize each step, even when I'm working and without an audience or anything, I, I kind of break down each step and I, I try to think, why am I doing such and such a, a decision when I'm drawing on the, on the paper or if I'm on a, a tablet, um, 
really trying to understand why you're making each mark. I, I just find it such a valuable thing to do because you can spend so much time trying to do uh, all these different things and you end up making redundancy or redundant steps or steps that just don't help the, the composition at all or anything like that. Uh, so I think that's part of where my, my delivery has, uh, has come from. Yeah, totally. It sounds like you're a very technical thinker and I'm the same as well. I like to be able to go through a series of steps when it comes to mm -hmm. constructing a drawing and know that as long as I execute that process, I'm going to end up with something consistent by the end. But, mm -hmm. and if I don't do that, it almost, it, and I don't know if you feel the same way, but it almost feels like you're leaving it up to chance. Yeah. There's yeah. some benefit to that as well. You'll see there's, uh, like an artist, um, like Ahmed Eldori is one of my favorites and he's a super nice person. Uh, he's, I feel like listening to him is the complete opposite of listening to me when I draw. And even with um, music, which I had mentioned that I, I had done beforehand, uh, I, I feel very different in, in the way I approach it than the way I approach art. And it might just be that, at least for my philosophy on learning, that you have to start out very rigid and technical. And then after a certain period of time, then you begin to loosen up, then you begin to break the rules and kind of uh, maybe do things in a much less organized fashion. Yeah, very much so. I feel like you get a little bit more daring just because you end up learning the process behind what it is you do. You get comfortable with it. And then if you don't push yourself a little bit further, it can become monotonous and maybe a little bit boring where you're just doing the same thing and going through the same motions every time you go to create yeah. something and creativity should never feel like that. So I think we intentionally almost put ourselves in these challenging situations once we're th at that point where we try something new or we tackle some subject matter that we're not quite familiar with yet. And uh, absolutely, I agree with that. So you were in the band and you were doing your art and then what happened, James? Oh yeah. So, then, <laughs> so then, uh, uh, as we were discussing before, I, I'm very stubborn when I decide to do something, and I, I think, at that point in time, especially when you're in high school, everybody's so indecisive, and part of me was just like, I, I just, I, I really pride myself on being decisive about things, and I said, well, I need to make a living. Doctors make a lot of money, so I'll just do that. Mm -hmm. So despite having all this creative experience and we were making uh, decent money doing the band. I, I don't know why I decided to abandon it, but I just said, well, I have to do the responsible thing. And so I went to college for biochemistry in hopes of going to medical school. And uh, like I mentioned before, I going through that, I did get a lot of experience teaching. And I think I really do valuable value the, um, the time that I spent in college because I, I learned to one, I learned to articulate myself. I learned a lot about teaching. I learned a lot about the mistakes that you can make during teaching. Uh, mm -hmm. I, I, when I taught chemistry, we used to have to do these seminars in front of a thousand people and there's nothing more terrifying than standing up in front of a thousand people. And that is insane. <laughs> yeah, it, it really is, is uh, very crazy. And I also found out that when I get nervous, I get very loud. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I had a, a interesting delivery style at the first time that I uh, I presented up there, but yeah, it it's really helpful because 
I learned to value the the one the the delivery the performance aspect of it uh plus with with having played music I've always liked being on stage and um I got a lot of experience with all it all kind of coalesced into one thing uh but during that time I really wasn't doing much drawing and uh after graduating I went on to med school and I it was very different than my undergrad my undergrad was it it almost felt just as satisfying as pursuing art you know it felt like i was pursuing knowledge for knowledge's sake which was something i valued and but when i went to med school it was just a completely different atmosphere and i just didn't feel right for me and uh it even though it even though i I had worked so hard to get there i found myself slacking off not studying drawing all the time i'd be sitting in in the anatomy lab uh, and rather than studying the anatomy, I'm sitting there visually studying the anatomy by drawing all of it, which by the way, it was a very cool way to learn with, with the cadaver there. It's uh, felt very, um, medieval of me. <laughs> yeah, totally. It that would have been cool. cool. It, um, and so I ended up doing that and doing a lot of 3d modeling at night. I was staying up to like five in the morning doing 3d modeling. And then the next morning would come and I would just skip class. And then the next day would come and I'd be like, oh, I think I'm just not going to go to class and I'll just keep drawing and 3D modeling. And eventually when you don't go to class, you end up failing. So, so then I failed the last semester that I was in and uh, decided that I was not going to go back. And uh, I had heart to heart with uh, some very close friends and we had talked about you know my creative experiences in the past. And uh, something really important that a friend said to me was, just visualize what your ideal future would be, which is such a good thing that you can, that anyone should do is just picture what you want to be doing day to day, what you want to be doing in the future and take every step possible to go towards that. And I said, well, I had always wanted to do, you know, something with video games. I love the art of video games. I love drawing. I love the community aspect of being in a band and that, that team camaraderie. So I've, you know, I geared everything towards uh, approaching that. So I left school, moved back home with my parents, and spent every day just drawing way too much to to an insane degree. I spent about 13 or 14 hours a day just not sleeping and drawing all the time. That's awesome. Uh, so a lot incredible. Of nights. My friends thought I was actually going nuts. <laughs> it was it was a good time basically, but it was it was a lot of fun. Uh, and you know, I would just do. Uh, you know, I was trying to do character designs. I spent hours just drawing ellipses, drawing cars, going through um, how to draw from Scott Robertson, just sketchbooks upon sketchbooks of all those uh, really early steps. And having learned guitar really early on, because I started at six or seven, uh, I knew the the process to learning was you have to learn your fundamentals. You know, with music, it's scales um, and doing finger exercises to build up your dexterity. And I knew that if I applied that same approach to learning that skill to art, that it would have a similar result. And, mm. uh, and yeah, I, I think from then, I, like I, I kept working and practicing. And what I noticed with digital it, it was that I, I wasn't being as decisive as I want. You know, I, I know when I write music, I'm very, I'm decisive about it and I have a lot of ideas. But when I, when it came to art, it felt like I would doodle around until I just, I was waiting for something to come. And so I went back to fundamentals and I decided that I would 
learn through teaching. So I'd make these videos and I started from bare bones. I started from, you know, drawing straight lines, drawing one point, two point perspective. And through the process of teaching, I figured I would get better and help put my name out there. I didn't expect it to get nearly as big as it has. Mm. Uh, that was a genuine shock to me. I just figured I would, you know, maybe get on somebody's radar and that would be a nice stepping stone to working in a studio. That's uh, awesome. But it, tur but it turned out, because I was doing all these live streams, uh, if you're aware of the concept artist John Park, who's absolutely amazing, he, he's worked on some crazy stuff. He just worked on The Lion King and some the Avatar sequels, all this crazy stuff. He ended up hopping into one of my live streams and he offered me a job wow. out in California at his uh, brainstorm school. So I moved out there with my girlfriend and uh, I've worked there for the past two years now. So you still and work I, there? Yeah, I still work there. Um, I, I'm probably leaving uh, within the next few months because now I'm trying to move on to the, the next step, which we'll, we'll get to that after. Yep. But um, but it's, yeah, it's, it's been really crazy. Everything has just sort of, it's the YouTube has kept growing. The the Gumroad tutorials has been growing. It's it's mind blowing to me, honestly. Yeah, that's absolutely amazing, man. So, when you were studying the fundamentals and you kind of went back into the art, how long did it take you when you were drawing at that rate and filling up that many sketchbooks in such a small amount of time? How long did it take you to notice a jump within your skills, your drawing skills? I don't, you know, I don't know. I'm very hard on myself about it. Yeah. I think, I think, um, I, I noticed a big jump maybe two years after I started drawing. I was like, okay, now I kind of got the hang of it. And wow. now two years after starting the YouTube, I'm like, I, I feel like I'm, I'm making big strides, but it's hard. You know, you always look at your art and you're like, oh, that's, that's terrible. I don't like it. And it's so, it's so difficult in retrospect to look back <laughs> at my work, but you know, I, I don't know. It, it seems when I, when I think about it, it's pretty fast, but it feels slow when you're, when you're there physically doing it. I'm sure every artist can relate to that. The, the grind is, is can be very slow and painful <laughs> at times. Yeah, it can be. And I think it is really difficult when you're not seeing a return on the investment you're putting in. And it could be just something that you're studying up on for like, you know, a couple of days. If after those yeah. couple of days you put in the work and you don't really feel like you've improved any more than when you started out, that can be a really defeating feeling. So, and yeah. yeah, yeah. Did you experience that kind of thing? Yeah. Or, I mean, that I think that happens a lot. You know, there are mm. certain, um, especially with stuff like when you're studying perspective, you you might get defeated and say, well, I have no idea how I'm even going to use this. I see an artist like Kim Jong-gi. He's not putting boxes around stuff. What is all this about? And you just have to imagine that this is all the the training phase. You, I, I think what's always helped me get through that was, was knowing that all of the art in... For me, I, I have a very long time scale for what I think, or when I think I'll be putting out art that I enjoy. I give, I said, I'm not going to like anything I do for the first decade of my art. <laughs> and that's, I'm totally fine with my art looking horrible for the first decade. That's and, great. And I, I said, you know what? I, I know what it's going to take. I knew what it took 
um, with music, right? I, I spent the first five years just doing fundamentals. And then the next five years after that, most of my music just sounded like a derivative of another musician. And it took a very long time to develop that personal style. So I wasn't expecting anything faster that, than it when it came to art. So I think keeping your expectations in mind or keeping those in check really helps you get through that. Yeah, that's so important. Like really the the mental game is half of it and understanding and accepting that, hey, it's okay not to be perfect yet. You're on the exactly. journey to getting there. And when you can go into it with that mindset, you are keeping your expectations at a realistic level where you're not going to be constantly disappointing yourself, which you otherwise would be if you didn't have that mindset for sure. Exactly. And, you know, that's possibly why a lot of people give up along the way. Uh, it's only a few of us who end up remaining, who keep on drawing from, you know, when they were a kid or a teenager and end up pursuing it full on into their adulthood. And I think it's just that, you know, people either lose interest or they do decide at one point that they're going to get serious about it and are hit with the reality of how hard that's going to be and what it's going to take. And it's just, for them, it's not worth it. For and others... People are a little less masochistic than those. <laughs> <laughs> that's totally true. I mean, it is it is such a painful thing to go through because, yeah. you know, it hits you right in the ego a lot of the time because yeah. we're our own worst critics. Um what about your friends and family? When they were looking at the kind of work that you were doing, did you get encouragement from them? Did they think what you were doing was pretty good? Yeah, they were. They were. They were very supportive about it, and uh, I, I. Yeah, I think they were always pretty supportive, and and I. I kind of knew that my like I said, my expectations were pretty low about most of my work. My you know everybody was supportive about me pursuing it, and they might not have been as excited when they showed them a piece that really wasn't very good. But I wasn't expecting them to be so excited about it anyway. Um, yeah. I, I think I think for me, most of my confidence in it came from the fact that I knew I was going to get up the next day and just continue anyway. So I said, well, I, I would, I, and I still say this to myself, is that my art might suck right now. It's, it might be terrible by my standards but tomorrow I'm going to get up and I'm going to keep going. And that is the only thing that makes someone better than anybody else. It's just continuing to grow and, you know, maybe try to work on your problem areas and, and deal with, or, or be a little bit brave in how you approach the things that you struggle with. Yeah. You got to face them dead on sometimes and yeah. believe that, with enough time and enough commitment, you can surpass near most anything, any setbacks within your drawing. And it yeah, is mostly. true. So did that make you reluctant to start teaching or were you at a level where you were like, hey, you know what? I've got you know these lines handled. I can put this content out there and hopefully somebody else who needs to learn how to draw lines will get some benefit out of it. And then you worked your way up into the anatomy. Did you get comfortable with anatomy first or did you kind of teach it something like anatomy as you were learning it? I don't think I was comfortable with anything. And to be honest, I wasn't yeah. even, I, I wasn't even so keen on putting my work out there. I have to credit my girlfriend who was like, you got to put this stuff out there. Like you, she was very persistent in the fact that I was good enough to put my work out there. And I was so anti-social media for a very long time. I didn't even have a phone for the first 
year and a half that I was doing art when I left school, I just, my phone broke and I never replaced it. So I just was being, being a complete hermit, just doing art all by myself. And, you know, I, I started, um, before I actually started teaching, I started just putting sketches out on Instagram every day and I would go and I would do some life drawing. And, uh, that kind of got me in the groove of putting work out there into the world and, you know, setting up a schedule for myself and kind of being okay with the fact that posting online isn't just a self-aggrandizing thing. And hmm. uh, then I had done YouTube with music previously, so I said I had known that there was some benefit in getting out there. A lot of our fans had come from the YouTube channel in the first place, so I said, well, I could probably do the same thing for art and also at the same time tackle a bunch of ideas that I'm not good at. And I think... There, there's this embarrassment factor when you put something out there and and it looks terrible. So I, I knew that I would kind of rise to the occasion to try to make it meet my expectations and be proud of it when I put it out there. Uh, so so that was part of, that's still part of the reason why I like putting stuff out on YouTube. It's because I know at the end of it, I want it to be presentable so that when I watch it back, I'm not embarrassed by it. And kind of opening yourself up to that criticism and feedback is... I think is really valuable. Even, you know, the most negative feedback that I've gotten and I've gotten some very mean, <laughs> some very mean things uh has been really valuable because when people have no concern for what your um emotional response is, they'll be brutally honest with you. Yeah. And and those, you know, those haterish comments, I always kind of even though they hurt the most, I I kind of look at them and say, "Okay, what is it that's eliciting that response? What can I do better?" and and you know try to work on that you know and a, a lot of it was early on it was how stiff my gestures were and so i spent the next year i mean i've been doing just gestures all the time trying to loosen up and be a little bit more make my drawings more lively yep. and a lot of that came f- directly from that criticism and uh you know it was like i said it was upsetting at first but it, i think it was so helpful totally critiques are very hard to take i don't think you know, as open as we all pretend to be, getting a critique still, it's like taking medicine that tastes yucky. You know it's going to make you better, yeah. but it still yeah. sucks to have to take it. And uh, I guess as a teacher as well, like you're putting yourself out there as this authority on the subject, and that's how you're presenting yourself. And so when you get a critique after that, then it's like, oh, damn, you know, you probably feel really deflated after that but the thing is is as you mentioned when you really take on board and really listen to that feedback it can be so beneficial to you as an artist and as an instructor as well because every now and then I'll get a bit of feedback on my actual instruction and I think that one of the reasons that I wanted to interview you today is because not only are you really good at what you do art-wise, but you're also a great instructor. And both of them are very different skills that usually, if you're a great artist, you don't have as great a capacity to instruct. And if you're a great instructor, you don't have a greater capacity to lift your art to you know a pro level because you're so focused on one or the other in those two disciplines. But you seem to have gotten to a place where you're pretty damn good at both. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah. I'm, I'm a reluctant teacher. I, I keep telling myself, oh, this is the year that I stopped, I stopped teaching. And it just, uh, I don't know. I, it, I'm, 
you know, just because of uh, I'm I've been doing with the YouTube channel, it just keeps kind of pulling me back in, and I keep doing it. And uh, I don't know. I, I I'm not sure. It, it's so strange to me that to to be complimented as a teacher because I, I think maybe or at least for me, the whole focus from the beginning has always been rather selfish. Hmm. And it's almost, maybe it's just that I'm, I, I think the maybe why people would gravitate towards it is they're watching the process of me, of me formulating my thoughts on how I'm going to approach things. And I'm usually pretty honest about what I can't do. I, at least I try to be in the videos and say, Hey, I'm, terrible at this thing but i'm going to try it anyway and i'm going to try to instruct it to you and in a lot of ways when i mess up really badly or do something that looks terrible you might be able to learn from the negatives of that of maybe the failed experiments <laughs> yeah totally i felt the same way with my videos actually every time i'm doing a demonstration and i got to go back to rejig something it's like wait a second this is good because it's going to give the students some insight, not only into the fact that even as somebody who's been drawing for a while, I still mess up from time to time, but then how to fix that mistake, which is, I think, just as valuable. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. And that plus the 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 nature of just experimenting with stuff, I I do most of when I'm experimenting, I usually will do it on live stream. And, you know, a lot of times people that are watching my come in and just say, oh, that looks terrible, it looks terrible. Or maybe you're supposed to do it this way or that way. And there is no way that you are supposed to do art. There's just many ways. There's so many different ways and everybody has their own approach. And as for students, I think they need to know that there's not one way to do it. It'd be like saying there's one way to write music or something. There, there's infinite ways you can do it in any possible way. And uh, I think the more you you can embrace that spirit of exploration and don't let the failed experiments be a reflection of your own per like don't don't take a failed experiment as oh i'm a terrible person or because i'm bad at art or if even if you mess up you're not just necessarily bad at art you just tried something that was out of your comfort zone yeah totally it, it can feel a lot like our art is us a lot of the time which is why critiques are really hard to take but exactly disassociating yourself a bit and and not identifying as much or at least not tying your worth to the quality of your art and how it ends up turning out is a very smart thing to do because it keeps you sane as an artist if your identity and and self-worth depended on every piece of art that you put out there <laughs> you'd probably go insane or you'd probably give yeah. up altogether because you would be so defeated constantly Exactly. exactly. Yeah. So, you know, with your gum road, um, obviously, like I've been on there. I've I went on a bit of a spending spree the other day and actually bought like a ton of your courses that you've got oh, up there. You. And um, because I've seen your YouTube videos, and for anyone listening, just look up Modern Day James on YouTube. Check out his videos, and you'll know what I mean when I say this: that these videos are, are really well put together. And actually, I was wondering because I, I watched um. When I was learning clothing folds, I watched your clothing folds videos, and uh, I was, do you script those videos out? Because they are so on point, and if you're going to tell me that you free flow them, then it's it's <laughs> got to be more than just, you know, you, you dishing out your thoughts as you go. 
it, they a lot of times are freeform. I will sometimes just kind of, I'll, uh, there are times that I will script them out. I'm trying to think of which ones are scripted. Uh, hmm. There was the sketching at a distance one, which everybody got upset about because I told them not to use the Zoom <laughs> function. I didn't mean that you can't use it. it. It just meant that I wanted people to simplify stuff. But that one was scripted. Uh, there's a, I think the set design one is scripted, but a lot of them I'll just kind of have a rough idea or maybe I'll have bullet points. I'll do a bunch of drawings and then I very reluctantly will put on my headphones and just start talking over it. And yeah, I guess a lot of times it's just sort of me thinking back on what I was thinking at the time when I was drawing. That is amazing. And thank you. Yeah, I, I, it's just, I guess it's just the way my brain works. It's very, I try to be very scientific. I have a, a I had a friend that I used to write music with who said I was um, annoyingly obsessed with explaining things. <laughs> well, <laughs> so it be a response of that. Yeah, well, it's certainly paid off. Like, you're very well-spoken in those tutorials. And uh, definitely, as a fellow instructor, it's... You know, I look at that and I admire it a lot because uh, I used to script my stuff a little bit more, but I've realized that, you know what, that just takes way too long. I just want to teach people and get the information out there. And, you know, this is really holding up the process. So now I free flow it a little bit better. And I'm glad that I've taken the time to be able to do that. But still, even after teaching myself for eight years in the classroom, I'm nowhere near your level of articulation. Like you sound like a university professor when you're you're putting oh, together these you. videos. I, I am trying to do it in that's I think that is sort of what I'm going for, I guess. Maybe that's because that's where I came from. Yeah. Um, I also just like writing in general. I'm not very good at it, but I I just like the idea of I don't know, I just think all art forms are kind of just all <laughs> they're very similar. They're we're all we find things to be appealing in the same way so the i think when you can articulate your thoughts I, th I i think that applies directly to the art as well or to music or any art form absolutely i think teaching is one of the best ways that you can learn anything because it forces you to read up on a very in-depth level on the subject that you want to teach and as you're teaching it you're kind of bouncing off of the the students in a way as well and you've got to break it down in a way that they understand that they can take and then replicate what it is you're doing in the same way and so i'm thinking that maybe the process you then need to undertake in order to process that information it has to be filtered through you in a certain way and i think that as you do that, you're you're gaining a, a more solid understanding and, and you're grasping the concept of what you're learning in more than just the, the way of application, right? You're not just yeah. copying what you're seeing anymore or doing what you're told. Now you're it feels like you're really absorbing that information in a on a much deeper level. Yeah. Actually in, in on that note, the last gumro that I just put out is about um, taking reference and kind of just exaggerating and stretching and just having a lot of fun with the shapes and it's kind of the same idea if you can the more you can push yourself into that sort of experimental mindset the better and the easier it will be like in that video i just was taking the reference and just 
making these ridiculous torsos in this case because uh, it was mm. something based on exaggerating anatomy, and it it can become fun again. You have to find those ways of introducing introducing that fun aspect to it. But I I do think, like I said, I think that comes. There's this back and forth cycle of art or any art form where you have to you start out kind of in a childlike mindset where you're just your ideas just go wild and you kind of go everywhere. And then you kind of undergo this socialization, which is, you know, learning your perspective, lighting, line work, all that stuff. And then the struggle from there, once you get to that point, is returning back to that sort of childlike mindset and experimenting. And I think I'm just slowly getting into that phase of, of artwork, but I don't know, it might take another decade or so. <laughs> <laughs> very very much so. I got that uh, course, actually, the character design, modifying anatomical shapes, and uh, I could tell you were having a lot of fun with that, for sure. Yeah, um, it felt like kind of why I got into art in the first place again, which was making these epic demonic creatures for Dungeons and Dragons or something like mm -hmm, that, you know? Totally. Why else do we draw, right? And it's... <sighs> It is great to see you like simplify the anatomy and stylize it down in that way. I think especially for comic book artists, that is an incredibly valuable skill set to be able to have because you want to be incorporating those strong, vivid shapes into your yeah. characters so that they read as as well as they possibly can. Um, I owe a lot of that to um, actually another YouTuber is a Metal Dory. I owe a lot of that to him because he came, I did an interview with him for my podcast and uh, afterwards he just gave me a critique and it was one of the most helpful critiques because, you know, he did compliment me on my ability to sort of, you know, with draftsmanship and whatnot, but there was not enough of this sort of shape modification and, and a lot of my design language was just crap. And, uh, you know, he, I, I took what he said and I just said, okay, I, I need to, focus on that and uh for anybody that's listening i would also go check out his youtube channel because he's an amazing concept artist much better than myself he's been at it for a very long time so good and uh that he kind of reminded me okay you have to have fun with it you have to experiment you have to play around and i think even after getting that critique it can be really hard to just kind of jump into doing that straight from your imagination but i thought of that as a bridge right i, I can if i take a reference and then I severely modify the reference. Then it doesn't look like I just copied something. It's I took it and I took it to the next level. And eventually, maybe you do that for a couple of years, a couple of months, whatever. Uh, then you start to be able to do that from memory. Then you can, you know, do it. Not that you have to draw without any reference. I, I don't know why that, that. For some reason, there is such an emphasis on doing things without reference, even though every professional artist uses it. Yeah. Um, <laughs> That's a thing for some reason. I, I don't know why either, because if you're not using reference, there's just all you've got to work with is the generic stuff floating around inside your mind anyway. So Yeah, yeah. I, 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 I'll comment on that really briefly. Just yeah, definitely. I have, every time I teach, I have students come in and they, you know, every, obviously we're all going to make mistakes. And I'll say, well, did you do any studies first? And they'll be like, no, I just drew it from my head. And I don't know how anyone could expect to memorize the human form <laughs> if they haven't drawn the human before. It's so hard. There's so many different things. And, you know, it, we're not all at Kim Jong-gi's level. We can't just do it straight out of our head. Yeah, totally. And it, it, 
the human body is just such a complex machine. I mean, even if you had a, a basic idea of it, there's no way you could articulate it to a high degree of intricacy without a reference there to, to go off of. And it, yeah, it probably wouldn't be accurate if you did. So 100% couldn't yeah, agree more. And there's, there's no shame in using reference. Every amazing artist, you know, Evan Amundsen, Eliza Ivanova, Ahmed had just mentioned, they're all, you know, drawing from reference and they'll they'll incorporate it into their work. There's no reason why you can't do that. It's that's part of the process is learning how to take information that you see and then uh, put it out in a more interesting and different way. Yeah, and there's right ways to use reference and there's not so right ways to use reference. Like I always try to make the distinction between if you're doing a study, then of course you're you're copying it directly and you're trying to get it as accurate as possible based on what you're seeing through observation and then there's also the other way of using a reference where say for example you're designing a character and you're using reference material from lots of different other places to inform your design but you're kind of mixing them together to create something new and original and i think being able to as well take a reference and then draw it in a different context. So say, for example, you're looking at a pose. Maybe you try to draw that pose from behind or from the side. I think that can be a great way to stretch your ability to be able to look at something and then comprehend it and project it down back onto the page. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. So you've got uh, some character design courses, some animal anatomy and uh, you've got human anatomy, clothing folds on your gum road. You've got so many. It says here that you've got 28 different courses on your gum road, which is a lot. How long do these take you to put together? Um, I try to keep them to about two weeks. Uh, if I'm being a little bit more efficient, I can get it done in a week. I'm like, I work a lot, but I'm, I feel like I'm not very efficient. So I sit at my desk and I keep trying to, you know, try to you know smooth out the process a little bit but it, it can be hard when you're you're doing something that's a bit out of your comfort zone and i kind of keep that as the philosophy which is keep pushing into uncharted territory just like i said with the last one that was kind of out of my comfort zone but i felt really good having accomplished it and i learned a lot more rather than doing something like i could do a, a thousand gumroads on just doing boxes <laughs> and uh, i don't think that would help me but it might it might help students but um Again, going back to being incredibly selfish with my teaching, it's it's the main goal at least is to to keep pushing myself into uncharted territories. So it yeah. might take about a week or two, uh, but if it's if it's something that I'm comfortable with, I can probably get it done in four days or so. It's um, amazing. Is that the dialogue as well as the demonstrations? Yeah, yeah I, I'm I'm not able to do them simultaneously. I know some people can. <laughs> when I teach, uh, when I teach people, I, I feel like the words just kind of flow naturally, and I probably sound like I have no idea what I'm talking about. But then, as soon as I go down to sit and make a video where there's no audience in front of me, I have so much trouble uh, drawing and talking at the same time. Yeah, me too. Because I can't focus on two things at once. <laughs> yeah, exactly. That's great. Do you find it difficult? Uh, re-watching what you've done and then explaining it? Like, are you still recalling those mental processes that you went through? Yeah, I, I, it's not that I, I don't really have trouble 
figuring out what I was doing. I, with the Gumroad videos in particular, I feel like I just, after a while, I'm like, I don't think I have anything else to say <laughs> to yeah. say about it. I kind of run out of dialogue. So I'm like, all right, you could just watch the rest of this sketch. Yeah, totally. Um, I, I feel like my narration style is probably best fit for that 10 minute chunk of time that I do with the YouTube videos. But a lot of people like to watch the sketches back in real time. So I think that's where you get the benefit there in the Gumroad. Um, but watching videos back, I mean, after I put out a video, uh, I try not to watch it back. I watched my anatomy video the other day and I, I was like, oh no. <laughs> Uh, so that's the key, huh? Just don't yeah, watch it back. Yeah. Just put it out there. Just ignore it. I, the the one the anatomy video on Gumroad. I said, oh no, that's not good. I was not pleased with it. But you know, I guess that's a good thing because at this point it's over a year old. So yeah, they always, well, Johnny Depp always used to say that he'd never watch his movies back, and I've realized the benefit of not watching things back too closely. And yeah, don't. Yeah, I've started to realize that myself, and I think that's that's probably why he doesn't watch back his movies because yeah. we we really do have this tendency to just totally dish the dirt on ourselves when we yeah. start to analyze and and re and uh, and second guess our performance. Exactly. Yeah, and I have the tendency of going back and deleting videos, so I've just said. No, I can't watch it because I'll end up just hiding everything. Yeah, because the thing is, it's it's still good anyway. And um, I've noticed that you know when you put out something on YouTube that you thought was totally going to bomb, it actually does really, really well, and and people love it, and people are happy with it. And you know, listening back to your anatomy tutorials, which you you were worried about, it's like I wouldn't have even noticed, <laughs> and well, like. You. And it's it's funny because our awareness is is always going to be centered on the things that we feel we could have done better, but that other people won't ever notice. Um, oh yeah, people yeah, aren't that critical. No, no, definitely. Yeah, and I'm, we're not even that critical with when we look at other people's art. But again, you know, you know all the mistakes that you make when you look back at your own work. Yeah, exactly. So um, if you had to really pin it down to anything james what do you feel really boosted your development as an artist oh uh let's see i think so there's a few areas in which my aforementioned stubbornness have been very beneficial in the fact that i made sure to work through my fundamentals work through the things that people find boring you know when i was working on draftsmanship i just drew a bunch of cabinets i drew boxes i drew all sorts of things like that. And I, I was very thorough about the the beginning steps. And I'm I'm always doing that. I I think another aspect is that I don't I know that if I'm having a lot of trouble doing something, say I'm trying to work on a character, I know it's because I'm trying to do far too many things at once. You know, it, it very often we can we can try to do a something like a character painting and think about what you're trying to do all simultaneously. You're trying to uh, draw anatomy, draw clothing, paint skin tones, paint clothing, and come up with an original design. That's so many different things all done simultaneously that it's no wonder that it's going to come out bad if you're not familiar with any one of those steps. So I I always make sure to, to tackle each step individually. Um, right now I'm trying to get better at painting rather than drawing, so I'm spending every day. I will go and I'll just paint torsos. Uh, or I'll paint legs, or I'll paint whatever part of the anatomy, and uh, 
I, I take it step by step. If I'm having trouble with doing it in full color, I go back to grayscale and I go step by step. And I'm, I feel fine not producing any content. Uh, like, I, like I feel fine not putting out any amazingly finished pieces on my Instagram or anything like that because it doesn't matter. It's not, you know, a year down the line, I'm not going to like it anyway. So what does it matter? I'd rather <laughs> spend the time trying to get those valuable exercises under my belt. It's a very good way of looking at it. That's cool. So um, for you, what boosted your abilities the most was just having that mindset and making sure that you were dedicated to the cause, that you were pushing yourself a little bit more each and every day. It's like, I think that that's what you could whittle talent down to is that mindset and that determination. Yeah, I mean, if because there's no other... I mean, everybody has their own individual skill or maybe some sort of natural tendencies, but it's doesn't matter at the end of the day because it's only if you stick through it and stay persistent. Uh, I think the other mindset that really helped is from the very beginning, I never told myself that I can't do something. I, I'm i always 100% convinced that I will get there eventually. It might take very long, but I'll, I know for a fact that I will do it. And that mindset has always helped. Yeah, I think that's so key. I think that's really what separates those who keep on going with it and those who give up at some point is there's a certain amount of faith you got to have that as long as you keep on doing it, you will get better. It's like a guarantee. And yeah. if you can believe that and really buy into it, then you'll never stop. You'll keep on going. And if it really matters to you, you will get there. So... Absolutely, man. I think you hit the nail on the head. Yeah, and just stay positive about it as best as you can. It's hard to stay positive, but you have to just not, I don't know, you have to just know that there's a light at the end of the tunnel. <laughs> uh, it's funny because coming from you know the music scene, and I, I came from hardcore and metal, and when you talk to musicians, and they might not be that great, but they, they always come with this, just this in, immense amount of pride and they're so passionate about it and they're like, we're, we're the best band. This is the best band. Everybody's going to know us. And I think if artists just had a pinch of that level of self-confidence, a lot more of them would stick through with it and, and not be so doubtful of themselves. I think, hmm. you know, just don't doubt yourself. You'll get yeah. there. Everybody's going to get there. If you were, if you spend the time, you'll get there. And that's really all there is to it. Everybody has to do it at their own pace and you can't, um, you know, you can't be upset that maybe somebody 10 years younger than you is already professional. I mean, I have that situation and it's fine. It's just, they got there first. Yeah, totally. We all learn at different paces. And, uh, I think you're right. Um, when it comes to the wins and the losses that you have as an artist, I think it's kind of important to be able to get over both really quick. <laughs> Because yeah. if you focus on the wins too much, then your expectations are going to be super high for that next piece that you tackle. And if yeah, you, yeah, if you yeah. dwell on the losses, it's just going to, I mean, discourage you. You might not even start that first, that next piece in the first place. So I think that that's something that I've realized within myself is that, and you've probably done the same thing as well, James, you've conditioned yourself to be able to get over those obstacles that you might face or those challenges, those losses that you come up against and just move on as fast as possible. 
Yeah, you have to, you have to. And part of that with is, you know, live streaming is wonderful for that because you have no choice to have a bunch of people watching and if you get really disheartened, you just have to keep on moving and, and work through that. Some days you're going to put out some terrible art and then there's a bunch of people watching. But mm. if you, there, there is that point where you have to put yourself in uncomfortable situations like that to keep going and just remind yourself that, well, I, I messed up in front of a bunch of people. I'm not dead. I'm fine. I can live. Yep. Just move on. It's totally it. It's not the end of the world. So, James, what advice would you give to beginners? Where should they start? Oh, all right. I actually think that more beginners should start just drawing what they see. Draw things like apples, little still lives. And I, that should be your, I'll say, technical practice. But then when you want to just spend most of your time just having fun, copy artists, look at, even if it's, you look at a drawing that you like and you just copy it directly. Think of that as a master study. The more of those studies or those types of drawings that you do, the more natural inclinations you build. You sort of get your hand moving in a way, or if you physically do a drawing that, uh, and you, you copy a drawing that a master did, you've already moved your hands in the same exact movements that they've done. So you kind of condition your brain to know what that feels like in some weird subconscious way. And I think you also pick up on a lot of tendencies that you like in art. And when you, when you study these artists, you, you learn the decisions and choices that you like in art because art is only as memorable as the decisions you make in it. You know, you, you see this in uh, a lot of uh, beginner drawings is that they, they go into the drawing and they've made zero decisions. They've just tried to copy every single gradation of value in there and yet you get somebody like uh ian mckeg or kim jong-gi and there's just a single line and for some reason that drawing is so much better and mm. the reason being is that you have decades of decision making and thought about what they like in the in art and the artist's goal and everybody should remember this the artist's goal is for you to look at something and say, this is what I think is important about it, and put that on the page. And the only way you get there is just by copying your your favorite artists. So do that. Um, draw a lot from life. Um, you know, mm. simple things. Don't don't try to. If you're really just starting out, don't try to do things like figure drawings too much. Or, you know, I'm not I'm not here to tell you what you shouldn't do, but just. Mm. Don't expect it to be, you know, Van Gogh or something, but just just go and draw what you see and uh, just try to get as many drawings under your belt as possible. Yeah, totally. That's really insightful, actually, because uh, when I was first learning how to draw and develop a style for my comic book art, one of the mm -hmm. first things I did, besides all the, the figure studies and stuff that I was doing, is I would find my favorite illustrations from all the artists that I loved and I would replicate them. Essentially yeah. I would open up my sketchbook I'd pull out a ballpoint pen and I would draw exactly what I was seeing as best I could and create a carbon copy of that illustration. And I had that same understanding as you is that I figured in my mind, if, if I just do enough of these, there's got to be something that sinks in like the way that they cross hatch or the way that they lay down yeah. line weights. 
there's a lot that you pick up there and it's also so much fun it is yeah totally especially when you you can't draw on your own very well yet this at least gives you a a a running chance to be able to come out with something at the end that looks halfway decent. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. And you know, uh, another thing too, is don't worry so much about how old you are and, and get a lot of that. I get, I think the two questions I get the most are, um, is it okay to start drawing if I'm X age and how many hours do you draw? I, you know, when you're just starting, just, just do whatever, just doesn't matter how old you are. Doesn't matter. Um, how much time you have left. Everybody has different life circumstances. If they're, um, you know, raising two kids and working, just draw as much as you can and just, just get that experience. Or if you're young and, you know, maybe you're in elementary school or something, I have no idea. Just draw for fun. There, anything other than that is unnecessary at that age. Yeah. Uh, then once you're ready, you know, move on to things like perspective and all that. But remember that that's just a step in the process. That's not, you know, I, I think some people, um, at least it seems like in art universities, they're very adverse to a lot of the technical skills because they think that's going to take away some of the value in the art or the artistic expression, hmm. which it can when you're in the intermediate phase. Because it's like, uh, again, I'll go back to music. When I was learning music theory, you know, your your songs sound like they're a scale or something. You know, it sounds like an A minor scale, exactly. And that obviously that's not going to sound like a good song, but that doesn't invalidate music theory. That's just, you're not ready to wield that tool just yet and move beyond relying on the tool. Yeah, totally. And and with with art, perspective and anatomy and all that stuff, those are tools that you need to develop. And when you're... When you're not familiar with using them, it's going to feel like all you're thinking about are those things. But once you've built that into your subconscious, then those are tools you can utilize without thinking. Sorry, my phone just went off. <laughs> That's uh, okay. You don't, you don't have to, you know, you want to get it to a point where you don't have to think about it. Um, yeah. And I think it's important to remember that things like anatomy and perspective and proportions and all that other stuff that we put so much importance on at the end of the day they are just tools they're there to help you not not hold you back in in some big way so i think especially later on once you have gotten to the point where you've conquered all of those fundamentals it's a good idea to try to keep that in mind that they are just tools that you can use when and if you need them but that creativity and who you are and what you want to express should always come first as a top priority exactly yeah so and, oh, sorry, oh, go on. no you go on yep i was gonna say the i guess the the last piece of advice i would give is also um I, I get a lot of students that are looking to make it professionally in art and i know that that obviously that's going to be the goal for most people but you're going to set yourself apart professionally by just doing art that you want to do you know if you want to work in video games but you like drawing anime and that's the thing that you like to do then you should pursue that you don't have to do what everybody else is doing because that seems to be the overall trend and in fact if you do concept art and you do it in an anime style then more power to you then that's amazing that you were able to set yourself apart that way uh and, and i think just at the end of the day you have to remember that 
they're hiring you as a concept artist, not whatever. You know, you have to, the art part is the most important. Yeah, totally. And what about the more advanced guys, James? When when you end up plateauing, and I know we already kind of talked about this very before, but uh, how would you suggest pushing yourself to that next level when you, you already feel like you've learned all that there is to learn? Oh, well, there's never a time where you have learned all that there is to learn. Because Very true. There's infinite wisdom. So remember that first. If you feel like you're plateauing, then you need to try to do something drastically different. Mm. Uh, uh, here's like here's a good example. I I found that about maybe eight months ago, a little bit before that, I was feeling like I was plateauing a little bit. And I realized it was because I was I ended up drawing so tightly that I was restricting my ability to freely think when I was drawing. So I drastically changed that mindset and loosened up. And that pushed me to what I would argue is now a next level in, in art. And mm. I, I was putting these mental restrictions and saying, oh, well, this is the way that I draw or this is the way that I do such and such a thing. And that's not true. I can draw in whichever way I want to. That's I'm myself. So why should I arbitrarily inflict some sort of restriction on it? So it was through that drastic change that my art got to the next level. So you, um, so you started to get more gestural with your drawings and, and not so rigid. Is that what you're... Exactly. Yep. Because the, the big issue with my art was that it was stiff. So if that is the, the big concern, then you need to address it and, and, and do all everything in your power to make it or to overcome that. Mm. The journey never if, ends. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and if your your issue is that you draw too loosely and you have no decisiveness, well, then the antidote to that is tightening up and practicing your draftsmanship. You know, at, at whatever side of the coin you're on, there's always some sort of antidote to that. Yeah, delving head on into the flaws that you know are there. And sometimes that's half the challenge is actually being able to see them in the first place. But once they do become visible and you can tackle them, I mean, that's just... The thing that you got to do, it's like facing that. I always like the uh, the idea of it being a video game, right? So you're going exactly. through all these levels. And at the end of each level, there's that big boss at the end that you've got to beat in order to get to the next one. Yeah. So <laughs> It is a perfect analogy. The whole, the whole thing's an RPG. <laughs> totally. That's it. Makes it more fun yeah. at least. All right, exactly. so, I mean, we're just about to wrap up here. So the last thing I'll ask you, James, is where do you hope to take your art and your classes in the foreseeable future? What's next for modern-day James? Oh, man, well, I'm sorry to say about the classes, but my future goals do not involve teaching. Mm -hmm. So the next step is uh, we're moving into a studio in January, and I'm hiring a few artists, and our first thing we're going to do is work on a board game uh, actually, one of my friends from med school designed the mechanics of this board game, and it is honestly the most fun game that I have ever played in a board game setting. And my friend is a working psychiatrist and somehow managed to find time to make <laughs> an amazing game. So my goal is to, the, the short-term goal is to put that out and uh, finish all the illustrations for the board and the manual and the cover. Mm -hmm. And uh, then long term, I want to I want to do indie game development. I've I've dabbled a little bit with programming and working with uh, programmers on making games. So that's kind of the next step. And I think the idea is taking modern day James and 
the company is Modern Day Studios and taking that and making it sort of a multi-platform thing where there's some teaching, there's games that we're putting out and maybe just illustrations. Who knows? I have no idea where that uh, is going to expand to. Maybe uh, on the instruction side, there'll even be a little bit of uh, science education out there. <laughs> Who, knows? Who knows? Maybe Modern Day James. Where does the name Modern Day, Day James come from? Oh, okay. So this is um, a little bit of an interesting story. I, a friend of mine, well, it comes from a band name that uh, I, not the original band that I was in, but I started one when I was in college and uh, a friend of mine collects civil war weaponry <laughs> and <laughs> cool. We were driving around with all these uh, uh, bayonets, swords and muskets in our car and at one point we had all the swords out the window and I said, we're like a modern day cavalry and which then became the band name. And then um, from there, everybody in the band was modern day blank. <laughs> and so I went on as modern day James and I kind of just kept that as a moniker for a little bit. And uh, then I started the YouTube channel with it and now it just became a thing, but it ended up being a, a, a decent branding. I like it. It's kind of catchy. It is cool. It really is. It's definitely memorable. So for those who are listening, if you'd like to find uh, James's courses, his YouTube channel, his Instagram, his Patreon, all you got to do is use the handle Modern Day James and you'll be able to find him. That's right. Isn't it, James? Yep. Super easy. Modern Day James, check out his courses. If you're a comic book artist, I especially think that they're going to be useful to you just because of the way that he breaks down the fundamentals, which, of course, you need, and the way in which you can take what he is teaching you and apply it in a more dynamic way to your drawing. So it's not just like you're learning how to do it in one way. You're able to take that knowledge and then you know use it to pose your characters in whatever composition you need to. Um, he also goes over a bunch of other stuff like props and animals and that kind of thing. So really for any art form that you want to pursue, these courses are going to come in useful for you. I love your style, by the way, James, it's very, has a nice mix of simplicity to it with a subtle amount of shading. And when you tie those two together, it just, it, it ends up as a really cool style that is, uh, simple simple in its complexity <laughs> thank you so much i appreciate that you're very welcome well thanks so much for being here james it's been an absolute pleasure thank you so much for letting me ramble on about myself i really uh, appreciate it you're welcome <laughs> it, thank you for uh for giving us your time and to the listeners out there thanks so much for being here with us if you'd like more comic art tips tricks and tutorials be sure to visit www.howtodrawcomics.net over on the site, we have a bunch of written tutorials, video tutorials, the podcast, of course. And when you're ready to delve deeper into the art of comic book illustration, we've also got our course library. Until next time, keep on practicing, keep on creating, and I'll see you in the next episode.